Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. I hope that you're all doing well and thank you as always for being here. It's great to have you along for another F1 podcast. This time we are previewing the Singapore Grand Prix. And joining me on this episode we have the DNF1 panel of Courtney Pine and Lee Wannington. So Courtney, let's come to you first, sporting the West Ham United jersey, of course, on this episode. So plenty of Hammers fans tuning into this episode. Like and subscribe to the channel, of course, if you want to. There's no better reason to do it than uh, to support your boy in the middle there. But uh, how are you doing, mate? All good? Yeah, um, I had a great weekend. I, I thoroughly enjoyed um, watching and listening the, uh, to the last night at the proms. Got all the, uh, the, good, the good British songs. Royal Britannia, Land of Hope and Glory. God save the king. Our full British bias was in full force. So yeah, I had a great weekend. Oh, well, that sounds lovely, doesn't it? I know there was a bit of controversy going around in certain media outlets over uh, a few flags doing the rounds, but we're not going to get into that because we mm-hmm. are not a political podcast. We are very much an F1 podcast. So uh, let's stick to the F1, shall we? Uh, Lee, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Um, I'm looking forward to this uh, race this weekend and see how the new layout works. Not a Songs of Praise fan? Uh, no, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say it's something that um, I've been too privy to, but um, I mean, you're always aware of it. But, you know, British people are just one of those things that just goes on and on and on and you always forget it's there. Unless, of course, you're into that stuff. And if you are, that's absolutely fine. But we are into F1. And this weekend, we've got the Singapore Grand Prix. Now, of course, history has been made at this point. Max Verstappen winning 10 consecutive Grand Prix races in a row. Red Bull, of course, winning 15 consecutive races in a row. Whilst they will want to add to those records as the season goes on, the ever-present question that is getting more and more dominant in the mouths and minds of everybody that is following this story is will they be able to go the whole season unbeaten will they be able to win every remaining race and the way things are going right now the way Max Verstappen in particular is driving there's absolutely no reason why you can't back him to pull that off so Lee we've had a few more races now since the last asked this question Uh, we are getting closer to the season end but um, as we get closer to the season end and Max racks up more of these wins week after week 
does it get to a point where you start to want to see Red Bull, not necessarily particularly them, but a team go the whole season winning every race just to witness some owner history? Or would you much rather see someone eventually break that duck this season? I mean, it's something I've asked myself personally um, about what I would prefer, but it is a tour. I am torn between two answers. Um, as you said, witnessing the history if Red Bull can achieve it and being, hang on, this is history. I've just seen this. It's very unlikely this will ever be repeated in the in the short term, let alone the long term that a team wins every race. You think McLaren winning 15 out of 16 in 88 and we're, we're well over 30 years before there's even talking about it again. Um, so that's really a, something to really be proud about if that happened. But from a sporting perspective, having multiple teams winning in a season would make it interesting, especially with the how Max is imperious form. So it, it is really torn about which way I'm leaning. And I'm going to be the... Uh, no, not very friendly answer here and be on the stuck and stick in the fence and wait and see what happens. Yeah, you are kind of caught between a rock and a hard place this one because obviously, you know, it's much easier in other sports when everybody's very tribal towards their own team and they don't really want to see anyone else be successful except for themselves. And that's absolutely understandable. There is an element of that, of course, with Formula One. I know there are a lot of fans that support specific drivers and some support specific teams. And if I presented this question to them, I'd imagine a lot of people would probably say to me, no, they wouldn't want to see Max Verstappen or Perez or Red Bull win another race again this season. They want to see other people win races. They don't want to see them go to the end of the season having won every single race. That being said, I'm the same as you, mate. Part of me was like, oh, you know, it, it, would it be great for F1 to see one team go and win every single race this season? Probably not in terms of a competitive sporting perspective. But when you get closer and closer to the end of the season and Red Bull and Max Verstappen and and Perez, of course, they pick up more and more wins and get closer to that perfect record. There is a part of me that wants to see it happen because I can't really see any value in any other team really winning a race. And this is absolutely crazy, but it's in isolation. You want to see that achievement. So I'm... I'm like you, I'm a little bit on the fence, as unpopular as it sounds, but I feel like the closer and closer we get to it, part of me is like, do you know what? I wouldn't mind actually seeing it just for the sake of witnessing history in that regard. Um, Courtney, dare I come your way with this one? Um, if if we took the Max Verstappen Red Bull element out of it, would that sweeten your incentive to back this or would you much rather see someone else win rather than seeing one team win the whole season? If it was Lewis Hamilton, I'd be all for it. <laughs> right, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. But no, I'm not, I'm not surprised to be fair. I mean, <laughs> if it was Ferrari, I would be exactly the same. To be honest, I would, you know, I wouldn't care. But th- th- there is that team element. But if you strip that yeah. all away, then what what would your thoughts be on that? No, no, I'm I'm, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to stop winding up the usual suspects in the comments. Back to the show. Um, I don't, and I do have my own personal reason for it, and not for a reason that people could guess. Um, it's because I don't want to see my favourite all-time car, the MP44's records, be... I know even if Red Bull were to continue that form, they would still be seen as the better car, but for the MP44, for that for that record to be beaten, even if they were, even if Red Bull were to lose one race, it'd be matched. I'd obviously like to see Red Bull lose two or more races, then the MP44 stays 
at the very top because I think we'll have our own reasons for loving that car and that era. So for me, I don't want to be, I don't want to see that um, get beaten. So long live the MP44's record. That's what I say. Fair enough. Um, of, of course, you know, Red Bull have gone past a consecutive number of race wins, but as you pointed out rightly, that uh, they only lost once that season. And uh, ironically, that was at the uh, Italian Grand Prix, I think, that season. So, um, yeah, obviously Red Bull managing to break the Monza curse, Max in particular breaking that Monza curse as well. So it's very much on. And I think this is one of the stories that the longer it goes this season, the more interesting it will become. Um, but speaking of which, of course, there was a big piece of news that went uh, through the media. We did talk about this briefly in the last episode um, when I had the Ferrari chat with Sam Cooper. Of course, if you haven't checked that out, make sure to check that one out on your favourite podcasting platform. It was an audio-only one, so it won't be on YouTube. But um, the FIA, they came back with the findings and the results from the cost cap uh, audit in 2022. And wonderfully, all 10 teams were found to be compliant with the cost cap measures and, of course, staying within the cost cap budget, which I think is very, very good news overall. I know some people probably would have been banking on one or two teams in particular. You can make your mind own minds up who those teams are to have breached those cost cap regulations in order to try and gain an incentive or to explain a performance advantage, if you like. But as it stands, everybody was compliant as far as we are aware, according to the FIA. So that can only be good news, in my opinion. I'm kind of glad that we've... We're going into a Singapore Grand Prix weekend like we did last season. But this time, we're not going to have the cost cap drama dominating the news or being controversial. You might hear a few people talk about certain things because I'm sure there'll be conversations in the paddock about each team when they find out how close they were to the limit. Could they have spent their money better? Could they have spent a little bit more money? Have other teams found loopholes or ways to um, not necessarily cheat the system, but find ways to gain an extra advantage that other teams hadn't necessarily thought of and might encourage others to push the limits. So I'm sure there's going to be that going around. But what do you guys reckon? Are you happy to see that all 10 teams are compliant or would you have liked to have seen a little bit of controversy as we got last season? I think I'll just get the feeling that Toto Wolf uh, will have had to have made a cheeky trip down to Ikea last week. I reckon he damaged a lot of, uh, lot of the tables. I reckon he definitely needed a new coffee table. He would have absolutely hammered that uh, that table after finding that that uh, Red Bull were compliant. Um, obviously, I had to bring up the Toto Wolf meme, but I do feel that Toto Wolf would have been probably the main figure, well, spearheaded. Let's say the uh, the hope that Red Bull had uh, breached the cost cap, particularly after they'd done it last year. That very much would have fed a narrative, but I do agree um, to to an extent, Adam. To this season, we'll be able to focus on uh, the final races because at the end of the day, that's what we're here for. We're here to talk about racing rather than the other controversy that goes around the paddock. So, yeah, for, for once, we're not going to have it. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I kind of imagine that there must be a, a table manufacturer or desk manufacturer out there that must try and produce an extra robust and durable table. And I feel like there's an opportunity there to promote Total Wolf and get him to advertise by smashing the table to pieces um, and seeing if it actually holds up or if he's not able to smash it. I think that would actually make good advertising. Um, chucking a couple of no Mikey, no phrases in there as well, just for authenticity, <laughs> if you like. Um, we could get that. We could get a company that makes very robust doors and Gunther Steiner can't smash it. Um, you know, something like that. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. I, th- I think it's good for the sport, um, you know, that they, the teams 
you know, not necessarily all of the teams because it was only a couple that breached the cost cap. One in particular that did breach the financial element of the cost cap. It's good to see that all the teams have learned their lessons. Everything's been clarified. I think the nature of the punishment that we got that we saw last year that was awarded to Red Bull or sanctioned to Red Bull for breaching the cost cap um, was probably a little bit lighter than some were hoping for because this was the first real iteration. And of course, there were going to be questions and I'm sure there was an... Um, there was a need for leniency a little bit, I suppose, to make sure that, you know, we want to make sure everybody's aware of what's going on. And, and this year, I think it's been successful in that no one's breached it. So that's a good thing. Um, Lee, are you glad that this is the last time, hopefully, we'll be talking about the cost cap at least for another year? Yeah, I I'm, I'm agree that I'm glad that the audit teams were found to be compliant with the, the regulations. Um, I, I do think it's better when we can just focus on the racing, focus on what happens on track. It's a lot more entertaining um, than some of the bickering that goes on off the track. And I, I don't mean between the drivers. I mean, obviously, the backdoor politics. Um, I did... Uh, I am surprised, admittedly, that no one got caught out by that technical directive regarding the extracurricular Formula 1 activities um, that obviously aimed at some of the bigger teams. Because um, obviously that was applied retrospectively, um, which obviously means that obviously no one was abusing it in the first place to obviously not be caught out, which is again is a good thing. But it 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 just means we can focus on the racing, and I think it's really good, at least for this year. Anyway, yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess all that's left to say on that one is Red Bull fans, if you join me, take a deep breath and relax. You're fine. We can now enjoy the racing. No more controversy. Hopefully, uh, moving on from one con- controversial incident potentially to another one and uh this is kind of where we kind of have to i don't want to say bring the tone down a little bit but i think we have to get a little bit serious now and it was regarding some comments that were made by dr helm marco regarding sergio perez in particular and long story short he was making some poorly judged comments re- related to uh, Sergio Perez's nationality and his ethnicity being a Mexican. He was saying that Checo has fluctuations because he's South American. His head isn't as focused as Max Verstappen or Sebastian Vettel was by comparison. And I think once again, we've got to this point now with, with Formula One where I don't think they can just sit idly by anymore and let comments or, you know interviews like this or things that certain people say they can't just let it go anymore you know action has to be taken and and Red Bull are no strangers to having to deal with this sort of thing of course they they removed Yuri Vips if you remember a couple of years ago from their driver program for poor uh, for you know very very ill-judged comments that he made on his own live stream for example and we're in a situation here now where we've got someone who is very highly thought of and it holds a very senior position within the Red Bull racing hierarchy, making these comments about not just any driver, but one of their own drivers. Um, you know, and it's, and as I said, the, the comments himself, I mean, first of all, we, we talked about this before we went live, guys, and both of you pointed out to me that, first of all, Helmut Marco's uh, geography is a little bit off because obviously. Checo is Mexican, being a North American country, not a South American country. And if we're talking about South Americans not being able to concentrate fully, having fluctuations when it comes to driving at the elite level, well, I think drivers like Nelson Piquet 
um, or Etten Senna or one Manuel Fangio might want to have a word with Helmut Marko over those things because I think those three drivers in particular knew how to concentrate behind the wheel of an F1 car. So, um, you know, all sort of jokes aside with that, is it about time now that F1 in particular have to put their foot down on this and actually say, look, enough is enough. Uh, we can't tolerate this anymore. Oh, 100%. Um, I, it, it's, it's been a long time coming as well, I think. Formula One does have an, a history of having some outspoken characters with old-fashioned views. Um, but we're seeing it, uh, you, you go back a few years with Max Mosley. Bernie Ecclestone's probably the most notable. Um, still trying to keep himself relevant by uh, making remarks to put the 2008 World Championship in into doubt. And then, then they go on to claim that you don't remember saying it. And I, I feel this goes on to this old rhetoric they're old. They're 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 old school. Uh, they're they're from a different time. They um they, they don't mean what they're saying. Um, they they're grown ass men, and I feel they need to take responsibility. I, I'm a big believer in if you truly believe in what you're thinking and what you're saying, you need to take accountability for what you're saying. Just because you're in a position of power and you're wealthy doesn't mean that you should be exempt from um getting um as I say getting into trouble for things that you say. And it's not only you know, it, the fact that it's, it's it's offensive to an entire culture, it, as you said, Adam. I I think it's, it's such an awful way to um, talk about one of your employees. Like, so if we were to put this into our um, relative workplaces, um, say we had managers from a different background, a different culture, and we found that that they were talking publicly about um, about our mindset. Based on their culture and their backgrounds, we would be, we would be offended to say the least. So he needs to take responsibility. I'll, I'll be honest. I feel that Helmet, I mean Helmet Marco, is one of the reasons why Red Bull, in my opinion, are the least popular um, team on the grid. You want to be getting behind a team that is as successful as Red Bull are. But some of the characters within that team, um, historically, this isn't just through the the Max era, which I think is you know it's easy for people to think. I feel there are people within that team that really tarnish the reputation. Well, we had a statement uh, that Red Bull produced with Dr. Helmut Marco. Um, I'm not going to comment on whether or not these are his own words or not, but um, I know a lot of people have had their own opinions on this statement about the the origin of it and who produced it. But the statement reads, uh, concerning my remark about Sergio Perez, service, TV, sport and talk, Monday, September 4th, I would like to apologise for my offensive remark and want to make it absolutely clear that I do not believe that we can generalise about the people from any country, any race or any ethnicity. I was trying to make a point that Checo has fluctuated in his performance this year, but it was wrong to attribute this to his cultural heritage. Now, look, I'm not going to comment on the origins of this quote and this statement. A lot of people already have on social media from what I've seen. But for me, you get to a point where if this was one incident in isolation, then okay, you can kind of deal with this as potentially a learning experience. Maybe a sanction is appropriate, but, you know, obviously if it's a one-time thing, then hopefully this person learns for it and, and they grow and, and they are better moving forward for it. And that would be great. But this isn't an isolated incident. And this is kind of where I, wa- I wanted to raise the question 
of not only should Red Bull, but should F1 now take a no tolerance policy on this? Because we all hear about the race, we races one program and, and other diversity measures that F1 introduced and are slowly, they've eroded away for different reasons. They've not exactly stuck to it, perhaps in the manner that some people would have liked in some people's opinion. But at the same time, um, when these moments happen, I feel like people need to call, people call for action and they want things to change. These are the moments where F1 in particular need to step up and say, look, enough is enough. You can't get away with doing this. We need to do something about it. So, Lee, I'm, I'm going to put you in an awkward position, so I do apologise. But um, is it enough for this apology to come from Helmut Marco and then just carry on? Or do you feel that in particular... F1 maybe needs to set an example now with someone who's an active member of the F1 paddock um, just to basically set a precedent that we are no longer going to take this line down. And if people keep saying these things or acting in a certain way to disrespect others, um, then we're not going to allow it anymore. Uh, I got, I mean, I'm probably leaning more towards the side of uh, Formula One should set an example. I'm not saying obviously ban him from Formula 1 he has to be fired or anything like that but they should set a precedent that any racial um, well it wasn't a hatred but racial slurs isn't acceptable um, in the sport be it within interviews or in, in backroom conversations between just staff that isn't an interview it is never acceptable to to use that language um, and obviously Formula 1 has not just New Helmet, but Formula One has had a history of racism in the sport, which isn't acceptable either. So having that example, wherever that example may be, I'm not going to say. Having an example, again, it's not acceptable. I think they, it's something that should be considered. And if they aren't talking about it, they should already be talking to Red Bull management about it. Because obviously you've not seen Red Bull should be doing something. They're in their own organisation, have their own disciplinary procedures and whatever. That's their internal processes and not going to comment on how Red Bull should do their internal processes, but there should be a conversation about what they um, could do to set an example that it's not appropriate because it it really isn't, not in today's uh, day Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think that's all we really need to say on that one. It'll be interesting to see what Red Bull uh, do heading into this weekend. It'll be interesting to see... um, Well, it'll be very interesting to see if Dr. Helmut Marker will be present with the team when they go to Mexico. Um, in the near future that will be a very interesting because of course let's not forget as we talked about in a previous episode Mexico is a very lucrative customer of the Red Bull franchise so I don't think they'd have appreciated those comments being made not only about a driver but also extending that to their culture and their country in general I think the media aspect of it is a big one um Good timing obviously where I'm wearing my West Ham attire uh, we've had a very similar issue at our club for many years now, with our owner, David Sullivan. Um, he's caused a lot of issues uh, within the club. He's messed up um, transfers. And it's because he's been so outspoken to the media. There, there's obviously been discussions higher up at the club. And since then, he hasn't been as vocal to the media. And things have improved at the club. The reputation of the club has improved somewhat as well. So I feel that's something that Red Bull, as you both said, I think that's something that Red Bull needs to look at internally. That maybe, just maybe you know, keep Helmut Marco away from the microphones and the cameras as much as possible. Yeah, 
perhaps for now that might be the, uh, the best idea going forward. Um, going on to uh, another topic of discussion, of course, there's going to be some changes to the layout this weekend at the Singapore Circuit, particularly in the final sector. Um, just going through some of the changes, the left-handed king at turn 15, the, that's going to be straight now um, behind the grandstand where it used to run under. Um, and then it will rejoin the original circuit, what was turn 19. So they're going to get rid of that little chicane area as well and the little... Um, the little grandstand bit where it runs underneath the tunnel in the final sector. The idea is it, it should lead into the final two left-handers and hopefully create more overtaking opportunities in that part of the circuit, which, of course, I don't think many people need to uh, argue that that's not necessarily a good thing. But I'll be honest, I really enjoyed that section. So I actually am going to miss it. But um, that should be a different challenge for the drivers. And uh, perhaps some teams who might not have looked forward to going to Singapore with the old final sector, they may find that might turn out to be a benefit for them this weekend instead. Yeah, I was also going to say one outcome that you haven't mentioned of change getting into that uh, sector or not, you know, that part of the track is it causes a lot of safety cars. So are we going to see less safety cars now because there's especially that chicane aspect going under the grandstand? It's very easy to lock up and in, into the barriers you go. Um, so will we see less safety cars as uh, another aspect of this change if that's a good thing or a bad thing that's up to you to decide well, not you individually yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, I mean safety cars do tend to bring change and you know change is always a good thing sometimes in certain races and i think this season i think many people will agree that safety cars when they come at the right time they do tend to fluctuate the pecking order so obviously creates exciting moments this season so I certainly wouldn't be amiss to a safety car at the right moment in Singapore. We do tend to get safety cars being very influential in Singapore Grand Prix in the past. So um, it will be interesting. Uh, Courtney, what are your thoughts on the changes to the final sector? Um, are you happy about them? Potentially they're going to create more overtaking or would you rather have seen it left alone? Um, I'm I'm happy to see a change. I I do feel that like I'm all for safety cars and not too many. I'm for a safety car here and there and to give the uh, races uh, a bit more spice. I think we need a bit more of that this season. But at the same time, I do feel that when that was to happen, it looked almost amateurish. Like to have a section of the circuit completely blocked like that, it was you know I think it's a bit too much. So I'm glad that they have got rid of it and anything to encourage overtaking as well. Because I, I do think that Singapore is easily the best street circuit we've seen in Formula 1. Um, it stood out to start with when it started um, in 2008, with it being the first floodlit uh, night race. So it's already sort of, it's, it already stands on its own, but I do feel that these changes will help solidify Singapore's status as the best street circuit. Yeah, it's funny because I remember all the way back to 2008, I think the first time that we went to Singapore and a night race was such a foreign idea or concept at the time. We'd never had one before. And yet now we're used to like four or five or something like that every single season. Now it's just a regular part of F1. So at the time it was really exciting. They made it a big thing. The cars look great under the lights and we'll be returning again, hopefully for another classic race it's always been no stranger to action and controversy in equal measure so hopefully it will deliver another exciting race this weekend uh, speaking of controversy and of course interest in the media at the moment there's been some rumors going around 
regarding the potential futures of Zhou Guan Yu and Logan Sargent. The only two drivers currently with permanent seats at this moment in time that are not tied down to a new contract for 2024 after the news of Hamilton and Russell confirming their medium-term future with Mercedes, at least for the next couple of years. Is this going to create the possibility for some added pressure on those two? Because of late, I think it's fair to say Zhou Guan Yu has not exactly been... Uh, setting any headlines at Alfa Romeo. Not that Alfa Romeo have been setting many headlines themselves, so it's totally understandable. But he's just been going about his business and probably doing what's required. And then, of course, there's Logan Sargent, who, you know, with Williams' progress, has made some progress himself, but has not necessarily been able to be anywhere near his teammate, Alex Albon, who has been an absolute revelation this season uh, and one of the drivers of the season as well, you know, to boot. So I wonder if there'll be some pressure there. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts regarding those two drivers in particular? For me, I think Joe has done enough to be given another season. Um, as you already said, Alfa Romeo haven't been doing amazing this season. Um, it's obviously, Valtteri, he's there or thereabouts with Valtteri. So you can use your teammate as comparison. He's done enough. They've got the big change in a couple of years. Why rock the boat with a teammate change when it's all about transitioning to Audi? Um, when he's doing it, obviously, it's a satisfactory job. But with um, Sergeant Alex is doing a stupendous job. He's up there. He's doing amazing qualifying laps. He's getting some great resu- race results. And Logan isn't. Um, and that implies is implying the pressure, um, especially as there's probably other drivers circling for that seat, trying to position themselves to get it. And I think the pressure is just going to be mounting and mounting on Alex, unfortunately. Yeah, maybe so. Um, I mean, with Zhou Guan Yu, of course, you know, the the Audi element is quite a factor because, of course, that is going to be increasing over the next few years. There have been rumours in the press that Audi would like to move someone else in, that they're a little bit more akin to having uh, when they eventually establish themselves in F1 sooner rather than later. Um, how, how, does, how does Zhou Guan Yu deal with that? Because, of course... He needs to do the best performances he can. There was obviously going to be the back in uh, being a Chinese driver and obviously the luster of having a home race and, and potentially a couple of home races, which hasn't really materialised. It just feels that the opportunity has kind of gone begging for... Uh, I, was, I was passed by for China to really capitalise on having an F1 driver in the sport. And now it, there's the possibility that this driver could be moved on because their current suitors or the future backers, Audi would rather put someone else in that they feel would be able to deliver better results for them in the future. Yeah, I think this is the Joe situation. Unfortunately, it's most likely to be out of his hands. And as you've pointed, Adam, it is mainly because of the performance of the Alfa Mayo. I don't think he's going to get many opportunities to really um, shine. And even if um, Audi were to say, look, we're going to go, we're going to move on elsewhere, the options aren't going to be there aren't going to be many options available to him if he isn't able to showcase what he's capable of. Um, it is a shame because I think we've seen uh, he's he's actually quite a solid driver. Um, as you said, has exactly been fantastic, but I don't I don't feel that he's done enough wrong. Let's say to lose his uh, seat in the team or F one in general. So that would be a shame. Uh, I think with Logan Sargent. Completely agree with what both of you have been saying. I think not only is it because of his own personal performances, 
I mean, it's actually because of the di- direction that Williams are going in now. I think Williams are getting into a position that they're building a positive trajectory. And with that, they're gonna there's going to be interest from other drivers to actually join the team. There might be some teams within the midfield that want to have a fresh start. You know, maybe even Sergio Perez, for example. If Sergio Perez was to choose to leave Red Bull in the next year or so, I couldn't think of um, anywhere better than a team at Williams, which has a really positive environment. We're seeing the good stuff for Alex Albon. Of course, they are in different um, phases of their careers. But I just feel that Williams would be a good team for... If they carry on the way they're going, I think they're going to become a lot more of a, an attractive prospect. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't rule it out. And it would be a real testament to how far Williams have come over the last few years to be able to attract someone of Perez's calibre alongside a growing in stature driver like Alex Albon at the moment. It would be an interesting story. Of course, there are other names linked as well. But uh, interesting to see with those two in particular. The grid very much filling up very quickly. Not many seats left available. And of course, a lot of pressure on the two that are currently in those seats for different reasons. Let's move on now to the predictions element of the previews. So, of course, if you are new to the DNF1 F1 podcast, first of all, like the video, subscribe to the channel. And, of course, if you listen to us on your favorite pod platform, leave us a five-star review. It really does help us out a lot. So, really appreciate that if you can. But for the new people on here, as part of the previews, we do our predictions for what we feel is going to go down this weekend. And we have seven different categories that we ask ourselves and we do our best to try and be as good or demonstrate how good a wheel knowledge that we actually have. And the first category is the best surprise. Now, this is the driver or the team that we feel is going to surprise us in the most positive manner this weekend. So, Lee, let's go to you first. Who is going to be the best surprise at the Singapore Grand Prix this weekend? For me, I think the best surprise is going to probably be Mercedes after a bit of a disappointing... <laughs> Calm down, Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> um, after a bit of a disappointing Monza where they seem to be a bit lost compared to Ferrari and Red Bull, um, they're going to be heading to uh, this week weekend's a lot more of a higher downfall circuit where they've been stronger at Zandvoort, uh, Hungary... Silverstone this year, you I expect them to come back with a strong car and a strong performance uh, overall this weekend. It's not a bad choice. And of course, yeah, you're right to point out with Mercedes that, you know, Monza wasn't going to be a strong weekend for them. They did a pretty good job, all things considered. Both Hamilton and Russell, uh, was it both of them in the top six? So I don't think Mercedes could very much complain about that. I think they expected it to be much worse than that. But the two drivers doing a great job, especially George Russell managing to turn it around when he looked like he was on the back foot. So, yeah, I I expect Mercedes to be much stronger this weekend. Courtney, who is going to be your best surprise? Well, you probably guess given the uh, the bang on the table. Um, I really I, I completely agree, Lee. I I think that Mercedes are in for a very strong weekend. I'm going to be particularly bold, and this is where the usual suspects come for me once again. I'm going to say they're going to get a double podium. That is how bold that I'm going. Um, I feel the characteristics of this uh, circuit are going to suit Mercedes quite um, quite well. And I also feel that both their drivers have a fire in the belly. Uh, You have a look at other drivers up and down the grid. Given the way the, the, uh, the season's going, I feel some of them might already be thinking about where they're going for holiday. 
this winter. Um, but I feel that both George Russell and Lewis Hamilton have their own reasons to um, really put on a good performance. So, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a double podium for Mercedes this weekend. So we're going with the bold predictions already. That is uh, very <laughs> interesting. But I, I certainly wouldn't rule it out. This, this is a circuit that's going to be very... Uh, well, the requirements for downforce are going to be very high. So, of course, Mercedes, this should be a circuit that they could do well at. Historically, it's never always been a circuit that Mercedes have thought they'd do well at, even though they managed to pick up a few wins. But granted, most of those came in seasons where people weren't expecting it. And then, you know, out of nowhere, here comes Hamilton or Bottas or Rosberg, um, and, and they deliver the goods on it. George Russell needs a good win weekend at Singapore. He had a dreadful one last season. So for his sake, he'll be hoping to turn that one around and hoping that Monza just wasn't a one-off and that he's got his form back together, which will be good to see. Flop of the weekend. Oh, actually, no, I haven't done best surprise for me yet. Sorry, get ahead of myself here. Uh, Fernando Alonso. And that's all I'm going to say for now. Flop of the weekend. Um, who is flop of the weekend? Uh, I mean, street circuits are usually quite unforgiving so I'm gonna say Logie Sargent unfortunately I, I want to yep. see him do well but this is a driver that has been prone to crash and not necessarily always his fault the car has had its issues but uh, even though they've taken out most of that final sector and replaced it with some straights I still think this is a circuit that will punish you very very easily if you get it wrong and you know Logan Sargent on street circuits this season uh, Baku prime example crashed out there um, Miami. do you have an accident Miami, of course. Did he have an accident at Monaco? I don't know if he did, but uh, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he didn't. I might be wrong. But already, as you pointed out, Courtney, Miami, Baku, of course, um, street circuits have been unforgiving for Logan Sargent. And, you know, if he uh, pushes the car a little bit too hard and makes an error, it could do that for him again in this race. So, uh, sorry, Logie, I'm going to have to go with you at the flop of the weekend. Uh, Courtney, who's your yeah. flop of the weekend? Yeah, completely agree. I'm going to say Logan Sargent as well. Uh, poor guy, I'll pick on him every single week. Um, but I think we've seen a lot from Logan this season that he tries a little bit too hard sometimes to make an impression. And given everything we've already discussed, I feel that's going to come into play even more. So you put everything together, I'm not expecting an awful lot from him, unfortunately. Yeah, it wasn't a bad performance in Monza. Um, it, it, granted, it's probably a circuit that is its own challenge but doesn't necessarily provide the technical challenge that perhaps a few other circuits do but Lee in your opinion with Logan Sargent is Courtney right is he just simply trying too hard I think uh, he does try to overdrive the car a, a lot more than his teammate I think Alex is very much a one in that car right now and Logan is feeling the pressure and he's trying to achieve the results and he's overdriving um, I think that's obviously. I think there's more going on than that, but I do think that's a big factor of the issues he's suffering this uh, part of the season. Um, but and for me, he's. I also he's my flop of the the weekend as Fair well. Fair enough. Pole position. Uh, I'm going to go first. Max Verstappen. Yeah. Well, that's very it's cool. not that bold at all, is it? No. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah. Max yeah, for Max. Me. Yeah, I mean, Max played down his chances this weekend. Um, I mean, typical, the driver that's currently winning all the time at the moment, when they're asked a question to play down the advantage that Red Bull have. I mean, realistically speaking, even though this would be a circuit that Red Bull should be very, very strong at compared to perhaps Monza when Ferrari are really pushing them, um, should there be more in their comfort zone this weekend compared to last weekend? 
Um, I, I think talent comes into play. I think we're seeing a couple of the great drivers do this already at Singapore. And I expect Max. I, th- I think in the past, or particularly this season, um, I've been very vocal about Red Bull's dominance. Um, being quite frustrating to watch. But these are the kind of circuits where Max's personal talent come into play. Now, Phil, he's gonna he's going to do that on Saturday, 100%. Well, this is a circuit where Sergio Perez, of course, has laid down his mark and he won here last season. You know, he is a bit of a street circuit specialist, although we haven't seen that too much this season. I think Baku being the only one. Uh, Miami obviously went away from him in the race. Um, Monaco was an absolute disaster, of course. So you can't rule Sergio Perez out. And, you know, he put together a decent performance at Monza, got, you know, the one-two that Red Bull have wanted. And despite the comments that were made about him, I'm pretty sure he'll be extra motivated to try and get the W this weekend. So can't rule him out either, Lee. No, no, not at all. Um, he's going to be raring um, to go. And he seems to be establishing a certain run of form compared to earlier in the season when... He's going to be a bit hit and miss. So, race winner. Lee, I'm going to come to you first. Who do you think is going to be the race winner this weekend? Courtney? Max. I'm going to go Fernando Alonso. I am going to be bold. So, probably (laughs) hinted at that. I'm going... I can't wait for your bold. Yeah, yeah, it's an absolute doozy, this one. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, forgive me if it sounds like I'm just pulling, trying to pull a rabbit out of the hat and it's actually just some rubbish out my back uh, backside. But um, I don't know. For, I, I feel like it's, it might as well go bold in this one. Aston Martin, I know they have been struggling. Maybe at a street circuit. Fernando was mighty at Monaco. He was very unlucky not to get the win at that race. Of course, Max was brilliant on the day and deserved it. And, and Zanvoort as well. Fernando put himself in that position where he was a threat in the right circumstances. I just got this funny feeling that... F- Strolling the yeah, wall. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't want to go down um, old crash gate again, but um, I'm not, not suggesting Lance Stroll would do it on purpose. Of course not. But, he won't, um, he'll just if, do it. <laughs> if, yeah. If the right moment happens at the right time and a timely safety car comes out, you just never, ever know. And... Fernando benefited from this not once but twice at Singapore you know not necessarily just Crashgate but uh, what was it 2011 2012 in the Ferrari when uh, a timely safety car came out made the pit stop and kept Sebastian Vettel behind him in a much faster red ball who's to say Fernando Alonso can't do that again in an Aston Martin um maybe I'm just trying to convince myself here more than anybody else that this might actually happen now that I've committed myself to this prediction but I'm going to go for it. Why not? You've got to be bold. I think a lot of people listening to this is probably a bit bored of us predicting Max Verstappen as a race winner. So I'm going bold on it. I'm going to say Fernando Alonso is winning this weekend. I will probably have egg on my face, but you know what? You only live once. Uh, I mean, that would be a very interesting race if that uh, prediction happens. I don't know. And let's be honest, who wouldn't want to see that? Maybe even the Max fans might want to see Fernando get a win this weekend. If there's one driver they probably would want to see win this weekend, other than Max, it's probably Fernando. In fairness, he's a. Pro- he'd be- I'm sure Max Verstappen. Well, no, I'm sure it. Max wouldn't want to see it. But <laughs> uh, I mean, the Max Verstappen podcast is going on and on and on and on at the moment in the in the post race uh, driver briefings. But of course, uh, yeah, I'd love to see it with Fernando. It would be interesting. Of course, win number thirty three 
against the driver who used to drive number 33. The numbers are there if you line them up where you want to, so why not? Podium. Um, well, I'm going to go first. Max Verstappen, P2. Almost as bold as my actual bold prediction. And uh, Sergio Perez, P3. Courtney, what about you? Yeah, my, this is where my two and one come in. I'm going to say Max first, Lewis second, and George Russell third. Yeah, we probably could have guessed yours, but of course we had to put the Mercedes in a, a particular order, of course. Lee, what about your podium? Uh, Sergio second and Lewis third. Fair enough. Best of the rest. Now, this is the best finisher that currently isn't driving a Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, Aston Martin, and of course, now McLaren. So I'm going to go first on this one. And I think Alpine are going to return to form as Monza was a terrible weekend for them. I'm going to say Esteban Ocon. Uh, I think he's due a good performance. Uh, it was a bit unfortunate with the conditions in Zandvoort. The race was just a nightmare for Alpine in general. They really need to try and pull the finger out. And let's not forget, Ocon got on the podium in Monaco. So he knows his way around the street circuit. There's absolutely no reason why he's not going to put in another good performance this weekend, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I was going to go Ocon. Okay, full Alpine then. I'm going to say Gasly. Yeah, I, this category, I mean... Obviously, Alpine not are not necessarily established in the front uh, end of the grid at the moment in the same way McLaren are, by example. That's why we exclude McLaren from this particular category. But you do get that sense at the moment that in most races, we're just going to be picking Alpine drivers at the moment. Or Albon. But, um, or Albon, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm surprised we haven't mentioned Alex <laughs> Albon yet in these predictions at all, but uh, I digress. So, bold prediction time. So, of course, this is our very bold prediction moment. I've already had mine, as you can imagine. Uh, Courtney... You've had yours as well. So just to confirm, I predicted Fernando Alonso will win this weekend. You've predicted a double podium for Mercedes. Lee, what is your bold prediction? I, my prediction is you're going to have a Red Bull fight for the win between Sergio and Max. And I mean, no, Max disappearing into the distance. <laughs> Sergio is going to be fighting Max for the win. Just to, Is I'm this where sure. we're at now? Yeah. <laughs> what's, yeah. What's the time? Hey, Sergio's good at street circuits. What's this the time a, deficit? He's going to be rearing. Do you want to time I feel deficit? like you Ooh. have to because um, if people be saying, oh, Red Bull 1 2, very original. Like, under five oh, seconds. Okay, okay. Do you know what's going to happen, Courtney? There's going to be a late safety car and it's going to be one under a safety car and Perez is like two temps behind Max over yeah. the line. <laughs> Lee's going to be claiming that as a victory. So. Uh, that's what's going to happen it. now it's all ruined it's all ruined we sold the, we sold the dream Courtney and Lee's completely tarnished it now with a <laughs> dose of harsh reality but uh, I, I digress but um, those are our predictions guys let us know if you agree or let us know your own predictions based on those categories um, I, I think between us we've sacrificed a lot of potential wheel knowledge there whether we had any to begin with is up to you guys of course but um, we'll have to wait and see if any of our races come true, not necessarily Lee's, but if yours and mine come true, Courtney, I'm bound, they're going to be good races. So we can only exactly. hope for the best. Um, maybe we'll get loads of laps of crazy action and then Lee's finish will materialise out of thin air at the very, very end. But um, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Well, that'd be uh, an interesting race if it does. Yeah. Occur, 
we can only hope but uh guys i think that's all we've got time for for this episode but as i said before if you watch this on youtube and you really like that we do what we do please like the video and consider subscribing to the channel and get involved in the conversation as well we love hearing from you guys um i know some of you guys don't necessarily agree with us all the time and that's absolutely fine but we love hearing from you all nonetheless so get in the comments join the discussion of course if you listen to us on your favorite podcasting platform please do leave us a five-star review it really helps us out and head over to the youtube channel get involved in the conversation we'd love to hear from you as well wherever you are listening to the show around the world but until then guys i think that's all we've got time for so please do stay safe thanks for tuning in as always enjoy the grand prix this weekend and we will see you for the review in the next episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast and remember as always if you're not first you're probably dnf1 take care Podcast Network.